Hello, and welcome to Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. I'm your host, Inman Narrowin, and I use they-them pronouns. Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness is a collectively-run publisher dedicated to producing and curating inclusive and intersectional culture informed by anarchistic ideals. We publish fiction, poetry, memoir, nonfiction, theater pieces, comics, books, pop culture, recipe books, music, history, and other podcasts. We are looking for stories that don't know where they fit in, for people that don't know where they fit in. On this podcast, we have audio versions of our monthly featured zine, read by a brilliant voice actor, along with interviews with the author. We also make these really cool little quarter-sized zines of the monthly feature, which you can get mailed to you anywhere in the world if you sign up for our Zine of the Month Club on our Patreon. Our Patreon helps make things like this podcast possible, as well as supporting other podcasts we put out. Are you into prepping, or just trying to figure out how to survive in a collapsing society? Check out Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times, hosted by our own Margaret Kiljoy. Are you yourself a writer of zines? We're always taking submissions for our monthly feature and this podcast, so if you would like to submit a piece that you think would find a nice home with us, visit tangledwilderness.org for our submission guidelines. This month, we have a short story by Margaret Kiljoy called Welcome to Penumbra City, Part 1. This short story is set in the world of Penumbra City, an up-and-coming tabletop role-playing game that's being published and produced by the Strangers Collective. Stick around after the story to hear me interview Margaret and the game's art director, Robin, about the history and development of Penumbra City thus far. If you want more Penumbra content after listening to this, you can also listen to the first episode of this podcast, Confession to a Dead Man, which is also set in the world of Penumbra City. A Visitor's Guide to Penumbra City, Part 1 Written by Margaret Kiljoy Narrated by B. Flowers Published by Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness Produced by the Welcoming Committee Working Group of the Irene Federation Introduction There's a black fog that hangs over the city, and it's not as metaphorical as you might hope. It's coal dust. Somewhere up through that smoke, there's a glorious silver city hovering in the sunshine. But don't concern yourself much with the floating quarter, because only the rich and holy will ever see it. Groundside, orphans dig through rubble and trash to scaven the parts to fix their motorcycles. Street poets sell fungus and brawl over territory. And bureaucrats ride black horses to midnight salons where they plot the death of the god king. The graveyard's been squatted by immigrants now for longer than you've been alive, and there's a gang of nihilist ex-marines who seem intent on blowing up half of everything. Welcome to Penumbra City. There's plenty to do, if you don't mind the dust, or the smoke, or the crime, or the monsters. We're the Areni Federation, and we're the self-appointed welcoming committee, and we're happy to show you around. The Country Harrow is a big ol' world, carved up into countries by nine god-kings. Ours is named Aeth. So, you know, our country is named Aeth, too. 
I guess, like, the king is the kingdom, or whatever theological nonsense. I guess technically you'd call even the city Aeth, too, but no one ever does. Aeth is a peninsula, albeit a big, fat, stubby one, like the ugly big toe of the world, separated from the rest of the foot by the outside mountains. Most of Aeth is what you'd call subtropical highlands, warm summers, mild winters, some hail in spring, but not much snow. Closer to the coasts, there are some lowlands and plenty of swamps. Closer to the mountains, you get mountains, I guess. Most of the countryside, for most of our history, is plantations with big manors growing cash crops for the city and for export, and then scattered subsistence farms, some grouped around small towns. Only one city, though, the capital. Well, really, the capital is two cities, one on top of the other. There's the silver, which floats overhead, where Aeth lives. It's held up by, if you believe the stories, enslaved angels. I've got no reason to doubt the stories. I just don't trust anything the church says. Then there's the rest of us on the ground, doing Aeth's dirty work. Or these days, mostly doing the dirty work of trying to fucking kill the bastard. We live on the edge of the shadow cast by the silver. We live in the penumbra. That's the fancy word for the edge of a shadow. We live in Penumbra City. I knew a dog girl once. The dog girls are a biker gang full of singers obsessed with their own mortality. Nice folks. I knew a dog girl once who got the word Penumbra tattooed across her knuckles. True story. Her friends made fun of her about it for a while, but she said she thought it was cool. About a year back, her and her friends got killed in a fight with some angels. Those are the press gangs. You'll want to avoid them. My editor says that I'm not supposed to tell stories in the personal voice in this pamphlet, that it's supposed to be the voice of the entire welcoming committee working group of the Irene Federation. She says I don't have to cut that story out, but that I shouldn't tell stories like that going forward and that I should avoid the I pronoun. I say if she wants it written different, she should have been the one who volunteered to write it. Anyway, Penumbra City. What the fuck went wrong in your life that you ended up in Penumbra City? We've always had a reputation as a place where you could start again, a reputation as one of the most multicultural cities in the world. Thing is, though, Aeth, he's at war, right? All those god kings, always at war, we're all just chess pieces in their eternal pissing match. And for the past 50 years, that war has been with Hearn, right over the mountains. And for the past 10 years, Aeth has been losing bad. Now the thing is, we hate Aeth too, right? But losing a war, it's just brutal. Our primary contribution to the world these days is dead soldiers and dead civilians. The countryside, all those farms, all those manors, they're overrun by the beasts from Hearn. That's not a weird slur, by the way. Hearn mostly fights with human-animal hybrids, the same as Aeth mostly fights with coal-powered machinery. So Hearn is winning, and the farms are burning, and we're all eating mushrooms and fish and whatever we can garden in the smog-choked air. And Penumbra City is still welcoming to all comers, but kind of in the same way that a mass grave is welcoming to all comers. However and why ever you're here, though, you're here. Might as well make the most of it. For our part, 
The way we've come up with to make the most of it is to overthrow the government, drive the theocracy back up to its sky castles, and take care of ourselves and each other. We're about halfway through that work. Which means the old systems aren't reliable, and, well, the new systems aren't either. No one knows who's in charge, and everyone keeps fighting about it. And half the gangs want a revolution, half the gangs just want to stay the fuck out of politics, and the third half of the gangs don't want to admit that they're gangs, and still throw down for Eighth and the church. Battle lines are getting drawn, and the three coalitions are the revolutionists, the reasonable, and the establishment. Honestly, whichever team the reasonable decides to pull for, that's the side that's likely going to win this thing. It's a mess. The Areni Federation? We're on the side of the revolution. And we don't mind a little anarchy. The food's gotten a bit more creative. But so has the music. So has the theater. So have the ways of relating to one another. We love it here. The Plaza, your home away from home, with worse food and worse lodgings. First things first, the Plaza is the best part of the city. Yes, we're biased, our federation is run out of there, and in as much as we aspire to be the ones running anything, we run the Plaza. We're biased, but that doesn't mean we're wrong. You're fresh off the boat, or the airship, we used to say, or the train, but the army is the only one using what's left of the rail system at this point. You're fresh, and you're not sure where to go. Go to the plaza. There's a huge skeletal tower in the middle. Used to be an airship mast. It's 400 meters tall. You can't miss it. At least half the city. You can see Triumph Tower, which means you can always find your way home. Why is it so important? Why is our modest five-sided park and the couple streets around it the best place in the city? Well, two reasons. To everyone else, it's the best place in the city because it's neutral ground. Well, almost neutral ground. Bigots, cops, press gangers, they're not super welcome. Everyone else? If you don't start shit, there won't be shit, and everyone's welcome. The other reason, though, the reason why it's so important to you, a valued guest of the city, so particularly, is that, well, your silver, your gold, it doesn't mean shit here. In Penumbra, it's who you know. It's what people think of you that gets you fed and housed and equipped. Which is a bit hard, right? Because you're not from here. No one knows you. No one has your back. So you might think... If you're not an asshole, the Areni Federation has your back. We don't have to love you to take care of you. We don't even have to like you. Not hated is good enough for a bowl of mushroom soup if you stop by the plaza. We serve food three times a day for almost all comers. The soup is tasty too. Protein and fat and vitamins galore. Your stomach might take a couple days to adjust to it. My editor says I'm not supposed to lie in this pamphlet. I say it's not a lie to say the soup is tasty. Okay, it's an acquired taste. Okay, we use wild bitter greens to cover up the taste of the mushrooms. And sure, some of the folks who volunteer to cook rely on raw enthusiasm to cover up their lack of culinary skill. But nothing beats a hot bowl of soup on an autumn evening, sitting with a thousand people tired from the hard work of carving out a better world amidst a collapsing one. 
Yes, it would be better if we hadn't lost last winter's crop of garlic and its attendant urban farmers to a swarm of carnivorous swamp cranes displaced by the war. But I'm not lying. I like the soup. I've got enough reputation with the Areni for some of our better food, with actual vegetables and even some meat. But I still choose the soup as often as not. After you're full of soup, head on over to the Grey Market. See if anyone likes you enough to give you what you want or need. Hot tip! People like you more if you help them out, or help their friends out. Give volunteering a shot. Pick up litter for a while, or go hunt down some of the dog-sized venomous centipedes that have been coming up more and more often from the Undercity. Whatever suits your talents. Then catch a performance at one of the theaters. And hey, it's worth noting that drugs and alcohol, they're less precious these days than food. Ask nice, someone will share. Then as the sun comes up and it's time to sleep, camp out on one of the shanty platforms on the tower itself, or crash out on a rooftop, or string a hammock between lamp posts. If an area is marked with a red perimeter, no one is going to give you much shit for setting up for the night. Watch out for thieves, though. Maybe sleep with your bag in your arms. Better yet, crew up. We'd love to keep this place safe. We even try. Stabbings are down 37% since we started our volunteer patrols. Problem is, we take just about anyone for the volunteer patrols, so sometimes our volunteer patrols are the ones doing the stealing. My editor says we're supposed to be presenting the Areni Federation in a positive light and that I shouldn't mention the problem we've had with our patrols stealing shit from people, but I told her that not bringing it up would go against our policy of not lying, and she said it's not a lie if we don't mention it, and I told her there's more than one way to tell a lie. And besides, we're working on the problem, and anyone caught stealing, their reputation goes down a lot. Caught twice? They're banned from the square and the feedings for a month. Caught three times? Let's just say no one has had a chance to get caught four times. That's the plaza, the best place in the city, where you probably won't have your shit stolen as soon as you get here. I suppose the rest of the city is worth seeing too, and frankly, it's getting a little crowded around here anyway. The Iron Quarter I can't for the life of me figure out why you'd want to go to the Iron Quarter unless you're either joining the army, unethical and unsafe, or joining the Royal Veterans Against Everything, perfectly ethical, but equally unsafe, the nihilist terrorists who, against the odds, seem to be headquartered in the middle of the most militarized section of the city. The Iron Quarter is the industrial heart of the city, an underground metropolis of factories, the ground itself like an evil forest of smokestacks that chokes the city on fumes. Huge trains, twice as wide as the old commuter rails, bring raw materials in from the mines and bring the ephemera of death and war out to the front. The barracks that ring the place are largely empty, as every soldier who can be spared is out at the front, doing the hard work of dying a meaningless and painful death. The workers now live in those barracks, and in an ever-evolving scaffold of shanties strung between the smokestacks. They even have a union— a piece-of-shit, pro-theocracy, conservative, reactionary asshole union for people who have no redeeming qualities, called the OE39. My editor says that I'm supposed to be neutral in tone whenever possible. 
I promised her this was the nicest way that occurred to me to describe the OE39. These unionized workers, they get paid in war scrip, redeemable in iron quarterhouses for the necessities of life. I guess the nicest thing you could say is they got a bum deal and made some bad choices about how to respond to that bum deal. Well, that, and some of them smuggle heavy artillery and tanks and shit to the revolutionists, like the Royal Veterans Against Everything. I'm not going to tell you too much more about the IVAE, though, because they're... Uh, they, uh, aren't really doing something that is legal. And I don't want to get them caught. The North Docks. The North Docks, alongside North Penumbra, is probably the closest you'll get to a sense of what Penumbra City was like in its heyday, 40 years back. The North Docks is full of hard-working, hard-drinking sailors and merchants and dockers and basically the kind of people who say things like, work is the curse of the drinking class, so often that you can't tell if they mean it ironically or not. Most of the domestic produce left, and about half of the international trade, comes through the North Docks. You've got two gangs up there, only one of which would call itself a gang. The esteemed, they're the rough and tumble poets who like to fight kingsmen, those are the cops, the kingsmen, and distribute fungus of various medicinal, nutritional, and intoxicating sorts. They dress like dockers, in bowlers and suspenders, and most of them were dockers of one sort or another before they started running about half the trade in the North Docks. They almost joined us revolutionists, but they couldn't get over their beef with the industrial workers of Harrow. We'll get to them. So instead, they joined up with the merchants on Eventide Hill, the fancy place in the North Docks where all the fancy merchants live in fancy houses. These rough-and-tumble poets, they claim to run the district, but it's the merchants who run it through them. I haven't given up hope on them, though. They might come around. The other gang, the don't-call-us-a-gang gang, they're an international union. The Industrial Workers of Harrow. I don't know that there's a single organization more hated by every single god-king on Harrow than the IWH. I bet Aeth and Hearn would like nothing more than to put aside their differences for a week just to hunt every single one of them down and rip them from limb to limb. The IWH, they're no one's puppets. They're kind of puppets to their own ideology instead. Not a lot of fun, the IWH. The chapter here is even against the recreational use of drugs. They speak for the civilian industrial workers, but the thing is, there isn't much heavy industry in Penumbra that isn't part of the military these days. They're not a lot of fun, but they're on the right side, most of the time, and they are absolutely not afraid of a fight. The South Docks. The South Docks are awesome, second only to the plaza. I'm judging awesomeness in this context by successful multiculturalism. The South Docks is, essentially, the international quarter, and has been for hundreds of years at this point. Expatriates and refugees find their way to the South Docks, joining multi-generational immigrant communities, most of which are focused around fishing and or importing goods from their home countries. You've got three gangs in the South Docks, and an uneasy and often broken peace. Most powerful, you've got the Lamprey Men. They're... they're interesting. And by that I mean terrifying. 
They're loyalists to Roth, the god king far in the north, and since Roth and Aeth are buddies right now, their presence is tolerated. They run almost all the fisheries, and imports from Roth are half of what feed the establishment, with the farms collapsing fast. The first Rothian migrants came over when Roth and Aeth declared peace around 50 years back. At the time, they weren't popular. They got called lampreys for siphoning off the wealth of the city. These days, they're the ones feeding half the city, and they're mostly known as the lamprey men for their habit of taking people they don't like, throwing them in a barrel full of lampreys, and dumping them in the White Bay. Then you've got the Corsori, the finest smugglers in the city. They're probably the closest friends the Areni Federation has. See us Areni, we're anarchists, right? Believe in horizontal and bottom-up organizational structures. No more godking. From each according to ability, to each according to need. Fuck the law, all of that. The Corsori, they're who we got it from when they fled Sor about 30 years back. Our anarchism is a bit fast and loose. It's a culture we're in the middle of developing. The Corsori, it goes back hundreds of years, unbroken. For us, it's a break with tradition. For them, it is tradition. Their most terrifying warriors are the Corsorian knights who make up their own vows and keep them religiously and fight in a calm battle trance. Then you've got the demons who are... They're the odd ones out. A generation back, they were a multi-ethnic and orphan gang, but now they're all grown up and boring and middle class, though they keep to their arcane customs. They run orphanages, take care of the needy, and currently they're with the reasonable, but we've seen them fight cops, and I think we'll win them over soon enough if we can stop being such preachy bastards, stop trying to convert them to our way of thinking, and start letting them do what they do best fish, and tell bad jokes, and take care of kids. My editor says she gives up. Penumbra North. Penumbra North is the answer to the question that no one asked. What would the city look like if the Church of Aeth was still in charge? This district is the last bastion of law and order. Not a lot of crime in Penumbra North, just a prison full of torture and death and a whole lot of people too afraid to step out of line. In the rich parts of Penumbra North, the streets are wide and clean. The canals are suspiciously devoid of dead bodies. The pious line up to receive bread, produced by magic from the hands of God to all comers. If that sounds suspiciously like what we do in Triumph Square, it's because they used to only give out food in church during the evening mass, but they saw how successful we were over in the plaza and decided to copy our methods. The King's Boys and Girls Club, aka the Kingsmen, aka the Cops, they run Penumbra North. Even the hands of God, the priests, are afraid of the Kingsmen. There's not a lot to say about Penumbra North. I suppose if you want, you could show up, repent your sins, like the sin of being born in another country, and live a pious life of strict constraints. They'd probably just conscript you and send you off to die, though. You might want to steer clear of Penumbra North. Penumbra South. Penumbra South, that's the ghost town. I mean that in two ways. Penumbra South used to be the even richer mirror of Penumbra North, but now it's hotly contested and largely abandoned terrain. 
Probably half the territory disputes in the city happen in Penumbra South, and fewer and fewer people actually live there. Instead, more and more monsters have moved into the empty mansions and manors. Centipedes and gelatinous cubes, sure, but also hotjacks. You've probably heard someone talk about hotjacks, and you probably assumed they were lying, telling you a myth. They're not a myth. Whatever you call them, Hopalong Harry, Spring-Heeled Jack, the Iron Devil, they're animals, bipedal animals, carnivorous, nocturnal, easily mistaken in the dim light for a human, able to jump over small buildings. They hang from rafters like bats and they eat people. Also, there are vampires. Anyway, Penumbra South, not for the faint of heart, a scavenger's paradise, as it used to be the richest quarter in the ground city. The Kingsmen control about a third of it most days. The Areni, we control about a quarter of it. Small gangs control another bit sometimes, and there are a decent number of dog girls around, those squatter bikers I was telling you about. But the monsters control the rest. Outroduction. My editor says outroduction isn't a word. I have reminded her that she said she'd given up. That's it for this month's edition of A Visitor's Guide to Penumbra City. Join us next time to hear about all the people who squat in crypts in the graveyard. They're really nice, and capitalists who sit atop step pyramids full of thinking machines, and the mushroom god who lives under the city that my editor says doesn't exist, but I think exists, so I'm going to write about it, and the orphans who will tell you where to go, and probably not steal anything from you, and the secret society in the suburbs, and the street surgeons who use mushrooms and magic and corpses to heal the living, and the people who can talk to the dead, and the people who can conjure fire, and the floating city itself, and the ocean. And really, there's just so much more to know about our fair city. Assuming you live long enough to hear about it. Hi, and uh, welcome to the Strangers Podcast. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah. My name's Margaret Kiljoy. I'm the person who wrote the thing that folks just read, although I didn't create it all by myself. I just wrote the words down. I'm Robin, and I use she, her pronouns, and I am the person who does the art and design for Penumbra City. Cool. Um, well, thanks y'all so much for coming on the show. I believe that y'all are also both part of this wonderful uh, publish publishing collective that the podcast is for, right? Are you accusing us of being incredibly insular in the <laughs> in our decision making around what to publish? Um, I am accusing Guilty. us. <laughs> I'm accusing us of um, taking a really awesome opportunity to. Um, send people a really cool story and also promote this really amazing project. Oh, right. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm -hmm. um, and also for anyone listening, we um, also have, have a large lack of submissions. So if you like what you hear on this podcast, again, please, please submit to us. That sounded wrong. Please submit your work to us. But also submit to us. <laughs> You can definitely submit to us.
It's true. <laughs> uh, do y'all want to talk like just a little bit about like what y'all do in Strangers um, for those who don't know otherwise? Robin, you want to go first? Oh, okay. Um, I am the point of contact for all of our art and artists, and I also provide my own art and design to strangers. I've uh, designed the logos for the Strangers podcast and Strangers logo, and also for Live Like the World is Dying, and I've done a couple of illustrations for the zine that you've probably seen. If you're a fan, and thank you for looking at our beautiful things that we make. I hope you like them. And Robin also has been, uh, Strangers in Tangled Wilderness first started about 18 years ago, almost 20 years ago, maybe 19, I don't know, some number of years. And it started primarily with me making zines under that name. So one of the things that I do in Strangers is try to not have founder syndrome and step back and let other people... Um, take control because people are doing a really i don't know i really like the direction we're going um but way back in the day robin actually drew the first logo for strangers like almost 20 years ago and illustrated some of our first zines that we were publishing in the the mid-aughts as for what i do with strangers um well i guess i'll say what i do with penumbra city with penumbra city i am the i guess in charge of lore I'm in charge of sort of the world. I'm not in charge of the mechanics or the art or anything like that, but kind of like the the world building, uh, which is fun because that's my favorite part of it. I should I talk about the history of Penumbra City? Is that is that the place for me to ramble about that? Um, that is definitely the next question. So, um, do you want to tell us a little bit first about like what what is Penumbra City? Like, what kind of game is it? Well, it's a tabletop role playing game, like. Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know whether we're allowed to say that or not, but I guess we can because no one stopped us. Uh, it's a tabletop role-playing game where you sit around a table or a Zoom call with your friends and you roll dice and you make up a story together. One person takes the role of the game master who uh, leads the actual players into sacrificing one another to Satan in order to open the rift between worlds and uh, bring forth the minions of hell to devour uh, middle the society middle class society. Ah, oh, that's my favorite part. I'm and so the snacks also. I feel like you always have to bring really good snacks. Oh yeah, I mean none of the spells work if you don't have good snacks. Because then everyone's just hangry, and the demons come through, and they're hangry, and they—you'd think that they would like be more ravenous and destroy more of the world more effectively, but hangry demons just go right back through that portal, and they fuck off. Yeah, they just get all fussy. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that all that? Um, is that all that? Get assists are bringing demons into the world to do. Yes. Well, and for company. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, a get assist is a class in Penumbra City that you can play that uh, summons demon-like creatures um, yeah. to be their friends. Yeah. And then when they're done being friends, lets them loose on the world to devour whoever, whomever they please. Um, <laughs> That's what friends do. Friends support each other. Yeah. No. It's Quid done. pro quo, Calaris. <laughs> Um, and you can't just cancel demons just because they eat people. No, it's it's just I, what they do. <laughs> you literally can't. 
That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think in the game there's there's no yeah, with there's swords no going and back. guns and stuff. Yeah, but even then, yeah, it's kind of a one-way thing, huh? Uh, for more question about what Penumbra City is, it's um, so it's a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, it's set in an alternate world, a secondary world. It's not set in ye olde sorty times, although there are sorties in the game. It's set in something that's like kind of a closer to the technology level kind of moves between about the 1880s to the 1920s. So there's like radio and jazz and stuff, but people are also, there's not really like diesel engines, there's steam engines, there's airships, um, and there's like people running around with chainmail and swords. It's like basically all of the fun stuff stuck together in a game. The world it has been divided into, well, I guess you all just heard all of this. Um, the world has been divided up by God Kings and uh, you are a poor schmo who are coming up in Penumbra City, one of the cities that is run by a god king who's in the middle of losing a war. But then in terms of what the game is actually like, that's like really between, you know, you and your your game master, like you can play it where you're like, we're in a gang and we're having a revolution. Or you could play it as like, fuck all these people. I'm going to go explore the Undercity and make friends with centipedes. Or you could start a pie war. That's true. That is the first thing that we did when we, in our last play test, is uh, start a war between two pie shops, um, who neither of them wanted to be at war with the other, but they were by the time we were done with them. A key moment, game masters, in don't plan your sessions too much. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to um, do you want to each tell us like a little bit kind of about the development of Penumbra City? Because I know it, like Strangers, has gone through quite a few iterations and has had like quite a, a pretty like eventful history before now. Yeah, Penumbra City started more than 10 years ago when I was I was really burned out on steampunk and I was attempt, I was making my grand exit uh or my grand fuck you to steampunk, which was a you know, subculture I was participating in at the time, which was more radical than the remnants of it that people might have heard about. Um, and a an anarchist game company that had just run a successful Kickstarter for something else reached out to me and said, hey, we're writing a universal role-playing game system, like a mechanical system. Would you like to write a game world for it. And I was like, yeah, that would rule. I would totally do that. And they're like, we'll pay you. I was like, I'm even more in now. And then they were like, will you write a steampunk world? And I was like, I'm not sure about that. Um, and then basically I said like, can I write what steampunk should have been? Like kind of just a fuck you to steampunk. And they were like, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and I had this world that I'd been writing. I'd been outlining a novel in since again, I don't know fucking time is meaningless. Um, since a while ago, I started writing it in a squat, like a squatted trailer park in Mainz, Germany. Uh, I outlined this whole different gangs and death of the God King and, and some of the, some of the, the gangs that have since become like, or some of the kind of archetypes that have become character classes. So I wrote it all. I wrote like 50,000 words of it, which is like a short novel worth of content um and then the publisher disappeared after i wrote it before i got paid and before it got published uh and i was left with this orphan thing and 
I ignored it for a while and then I like tried different game systems and I don't know, I kept giving up. And then talking to Robin at some point and a couple other friends, basically, it was like, I've ha I have this thing, should we do something with it? Or actually, I have a really bad memory. Robin, do you remember more about when you came on and started doing the art and kind of making the whole thing like actually exist? Oh my gosh, I feel like we've been talking about this on and off for years at this point. And then it wasn't till we were all um, sort of locked in our homes and I called you and I was talking to you and we were both like, let's, let's, um, we're both super anxious right now. <laughs> like we should uh, definitely maybe try to just make something <laughs> just in case we all die. Oh yeah. And we were like, oh, let's make a tarot deck. And then you were like, oh, what about uh, tarot is in the, um, there's like a tarot in Penumbra. What if we just brought Penumbra back? And I think, you know, up until then, Penumbra had sort of lived in like little margins of my uh, work sketchbooks or on post-it notes that I still have floating around somewhere. Yeah. But it was much more of like a half-formed idea that we kept talking about but didn't really uh, commit to. Yeah, because it's a big-ass project. Um, and then finally, yeah, like, so when we finally started talking about it and then we brought in a couple other people, some of whom are still part of it, some of whom have, have moved on, um, as we basically have, like, moved through a bunch of different options about rule sets and things like that. And then we brought on this person named Inman, who's terrible, uh, just um, can't... <laughs> can't get any uh, we brought on inman who's the person hosting this who a real procrastinator i've heard um who immediately started getting the the mechanics of it in line because i just had these like <laughs> i'm a very uh <laughs> like and then we'll just do this thing and and people have to be like but how will we do the thing and i'm like i don't know um <laughs> and so so yeah that's and now we're we're um we're in beta testing. We've been, you know, the, the rule book is back to a novel's length of content. Um, and, but it's, it's better now. It's way better than it used to be 10 years ago. And now it has radio and far fewer steam engines. And really, honestly, if I didn't keep bringing it up in uh, interviews, we could just pretend like it never had anything to do with steampunk at all. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of like hearing about that kind of stuff though. Like, um, I would love, like, this This is something that I'm not sure I even know. Um, so, an earnest question. Um, but, like, like, what did kind of, like, the early glimpses of Penumbra City look like to both of y'all, like, Margaret, from, like, a what the world looks like to Robin, like, what you kind of imagine the art, like, looking well, like? From the... Yeah, go ahead. From a gameplay perspective, I feel like Penumbra used to be much more aggressively trying to kill you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like it was it was very um sort of Call of Cthulhu-esque in that way, where it was like, oh, you could be a steam marine, but you also, because of that, will have like black lung from all of the oh, smoke you're yeah. inhaling and uh, you're slowly dying or like you cursed somebody as you know an occultist and because of that you're slowly dying <laughs> yeah every single thing that was like <laughs> fantastical 
had a like downside if you use the mycomancy, the mushroom magic. You, your brain gets You're slowly, slowly dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was all me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of that is still in there. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a little, it's it's less like every time you use your main weapon, you just bring yourself closer <laughs> to death. Um, <laughs> which is probably for the best. Maybe one day we'll do a supplemental rule system for the people who want uh, doom and gloom. Well, it's not a really hopeful game already. <laughs> uh, sort of hearkening back to um, the question that I just asked y'all, but um, what are some of like the inspirations that y'all had for like different things in the game? Um, whether like art, lore, like faction, classes, stuff like that. Would love to hear like kind of like stories behind the little mini stories. I'm not sure. Aesthetically, I feel like I fall down a hundred rabbit holes every day because of this. So, you know, all of a sudden now I'm thinking about cities in the sky and I'm researching what aerodynamic buildings look like. And then I'm like, do I actually need to do this or can I just make it look like whatever the fuck I want? Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I have probably ADHD. It's fine. <laughs> but I have, uh, I've, I've been able to now kind of apply all of this to like drawing a crazy fantasy motorcycle or I guess long conversations with Margaret about how guns work because apparently it's <laughs> uh, not easy to just draw a gun if you don't understand what a gun is or how things work in terms of, you know, steam powered bolt throwing giant machinery. So Fortunately, I, have an I do a lot of research. Of Sorry. Oh yeah. I guess I just I just fall down all kinds of research rabbit holes. So, what do aerodynamic buildings have to do with Penumbra? Oh, we have a whole city in the sky that you'll never get to go to, but probably we're going to have to show what it looks like at least a little bit. <laughs> uh, one of the. One of the inspirations, one of the first classes that I wrote uh, later became the the Dog Girls, and they are these this gang of uh, people who ride motorcycles that could blow up and kill them at any at a moment's notice. And so everyone kind of leaves them the fuck alone, and they're like squatters who live in different parts of the city, and and sort of um, they're not neutral. There very few people are successfully neutral on the moving train that is Penumbra, but. You know, they're not like a major faction, but they're a, a major character class or one of the archetype, archetypical classes. And they've been in there from, since the beginning. Uh, they were the protagonists of the, the novel that I was writing. And, or one of them was. And I think probably, I don't think I knew it at the time, but in retrospect, pretty obviously, the, the inspiration for that are um, these books called the Borderlands books. And in particular, uh, I read these two books by Will, Shet Will Shetterly when I was a teenager about these like squatter punks in a place where half the people are elves and half the people are humans. And there's like half of the city runs on magic and half the city runs on like machines, but neither one works very reliably at any given moment. And so there are these like I remember total... those. Yeah, fucking these books, they meant a lot to me. 
and and there was this gang of like total go for broke nihilist motorcyclists who ran around on magic bikes with no wheels which meant that at any moment they could hit a spot of no magic and just crash and that was like <laughs> part of their mystique right is that they were these like they could die at any moment and um that is that is where i got that idea uh deep in my subconscious um <laughs> will please forgive me but i'm keeping them because i really like my dog girls that their bikes could explode on a moment's notice and i also feel like that's like kind of that is the allure of the motorcycle in our lives anyway right uh the motorcycle is this like embrace of um <laughs> embrace of the the transient nature of our lives it's an embrace of like <laughs> well we're gonna die so we might as well die it doesn't make a lot of sense um people we might as well look bitchin yeah before we but die like, but that's like why it looks so bitchin is that you're like you're saying like fuck you i'm gonna like live my life even if it's dangerous you know and that there's always going to be an appeal to that even though it's like but I can point to people I know who died on motorcycles and I wish they had just driven cars, you know, <laughs> um, as I get older, this gets more and more complicated. So I think what's interesting about the process that now that we've sort of resurrected this project and started working on Penumbra also collaboratively is not only how, like, obviously I, I have a long term history of, you know, just having like, secret files of Margaret's work that she sends me that I just have on like a little FTP uplink that I read and I get inspired by and I get interested mm -hmm. in and I draw little pictures about. But like um, now that yeah. we've all started talking about this, I'll, I'll read, you know, what she's written and then I'll read the rules that you've put down for all of this. And that kind of changes the way that I think about things, but also sometimes like with the get assist again, like when you looked at the original rules and it was like, oh, you can summon these demons and this one is an imp and this one is a slightly bigger imp and this one looks like this. And then when I started working on drawing all kinds of people summoning demons, I was like, what if it just was an amorphous blob with like a thousand eyes or what if it was this or what if it was that? And then suddenly I got really into owl skulls because that's how my brain do. And we wound up thinking about the idea of having a soul that you're summoning and having to put it into a body and having that body being something that you had to assemble yourself out of spare parts. Um, so in a way, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that, that I was even able to influence the game and the gameplay in that way, rather than just interpreting exactly what we had talked about initially you know, so we're all learning and growing together and it's just really nice. <laughs> no, it, it is really nice. I really like the way it grows more organically now that there's more people involved and like, you know, it. it's one of the hardest things from a, a making it point of view is fixing all of the, you know, it's like when you sketch something and you draw lots of lines and you have to erase all the lines that you have to erase to make the final product or whatever. You know, a lot of what we're doing right now is, is erasing lines and you know, going back through and changing just the other day, I like was actually rewrote how the get assist works in order to to better, you know, understand these different concepts that people have applied to to the get assist. And 
Um, yeah, yeah, we no. were able to have so much fun with it. Like uh, when we were doing, maybe it wasn't the the pie game, maybe it was another game, but it was the one with the the geneticist who had uh, resurrected a demon in the body of their recently dead cat. Yeah. And so it was just like sort of a lonely cat lady story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you you were saying, Margaret? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what I was saying. Um, is good game. People might like it. Um, <laughs> I yeah. like playing it. I'm very biased, but I really enjoy playing it. So... Yeah, I have greatly enjoyed playing it as well. Um, uh, it, it's it's a bit of a fresh breath of fresh air from like a lot of other TTRPGs that I've played. Um, I, I don't know if y'all feel that way. I know, Margaret, you have a large background in TTRPGs. Um, could you, do you, you want to say a little bit about like if there's like things that you feel like kind of set this game apart from um, like some other TTRPGs with that? Yeah can name them or not name them can talk shit or not talk shit (laughs) i mean to be clear i might talk shit on dungeons and dragons but i play dungeons and dragons every week um (laughs) yeah in fact we're missing our dungeons and dragons game in order to be on this call um (laughs) but well that's not the reason we're missing it but (laughs) but i i but there are things that dungeon that different games do differently right and I tried to write it where it tries to murder you constantly, but then people were just like, maybe it's more fun if you can actually create storylines and do the things you're trying to do with a game. I was like, you mean it's not just fun to make a character and watch them die? Um, and now that I actually play instead of just being a game master, I understand. <laughs> so I have played those games though, and those games are also fun. I know. Yeah. Um <laughs> What's also funny is that Margaret says this as someone who I feel like if I ever killed her character in our D&D game, like, (laughs) there would be trouble. No, you can kill Marley. Don't, I mean, don't do it on purpose. Um, Yeah, yeah. But, because it's more fun when you realize that there are consequences to actions i do say that i'm a whatever i'm a terrible player to run a game for uh (laughs) but but yeah okay so what's what's this penumbra apart is it's an attempt at a simplified ruled system right um it's a it's probably closest to an old school renaissance game in that it's like pretty much class-based you're not really putting a lot of your money your your energy into like skills Leveling up is not the primary way to gain in power. Uh, And then the other thing that kind of actually the most complicated part of it from a rules point of view is that there's no, Penumbra City no longer runs on money. The economy collapsed and reputation economics have taken hold. And almost every single faction in the city relies on, we know you, we like you, so you can access our resources. Um, And so you're tracking you know, the most p- complicated part of your character sheet, there's only four attributes. Um, the DM doesn't even, the GM doesn't even roll to hit you. Players roll everything. And, but you track with, I think, 18 or 19 different factions. You track your reputation and how they work together in different coalitions. And um, 
And so I think that's actually one of the hardest things, uh, one of the hardest learning curves, not just the tracking reputation, which is actually not that complicated. It doesn't change very much, right? It changes very slowly. It's like going up a level, you know? Um, but instead, this like way of thinking is very different. I think where most people who are playing this game will be coming from a society where money is the way that we control access to resources. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the more fun concepts of the game is creating this sort of utopian dystopian thing with an entirely with an economic system that doesn't map one-to-one -to, -one to the ones that people are used to um that's my favorite it's not my favorite part like that's my favorite part like structurally it's not my favorite part like you know narratively yeah yeah that is a really cool aspect of it it kind of um it kind of like takes the stories away from like that you can create with people like, Oh, we're doing this for money. And like, Oh, we have to like come up with like real reasons or like real stories behind like why we're doing all of these things. Yeah. It focuses us on, you know, our relationships with one another, right. As players. Yeah. And also into the world around us in a way that, um, you know, you can sort of cop out on, I think, in other games if you feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, every game could devolve into a pie war. Yeah, that's true. That is That was definitely us, uh, in some ways, playing with the reputation economic system. <laughs> was, can we make these yeah, people mad also, at each other? Go ahead. But also, even though we were exploiting that and ruining people's relationships with one another, we also formed a, a weird sort of pseudo-nuclear family unit within our party. Yeah. The real treasure yeah. was friendship all along. That's the subtitle of Penumbra City. <laughs> yeah, and... That, you know, that actually is a perfect segue into kind of like the next question um, that I had, which was, um, so the, like, the, the reputation structure is pretty complicated, but um, the political structure of the game is also incredibly complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with complex. Complicated complex. makes it sound bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Okay. There is a very complex network of political relationships that people can have in this game. And um, uh, yeah, do you, do you want to kind of like say a little bit about them and also like how, how, like how does a party of like, like people who are politically at odds with each other go on an adventure together? Well, I mean, it's the classic paladin and rogue in the same party question, you know? Um, yeah. but actually, but it's not, it's actually cause it, you know, it doesn't use an alignment system like Dungeons and Dragons and so it has basically like political alignment. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, there was actually an earlier edition of the game where it got nitty gritty into like the, like each individual faction was like, these ones are internationalists and these ones are anarchists and these ones are, you know, uh, loyalists to the God King and these ones are neoliberals and, and all of that, like kind of mapped out. But now instead, basically, there's a three-way fight, which is going to be completely unfamiliar to anyone who lives in the United States right now. A three-way fight between essentially, um, it actually doesn't map to the current US one. I would say that the current US one is uh, the right, the left, and the status quo. Um, 
and then within the within penumbra it's the loyalists the god king and then there's also this sort of like they can they call themselves like neutral they're the reasonable and they're trying to stay out of it but they're actually just like the capitalists by and large right the not all of them but overall they're like we missed when the world ran on money that was nice you know um and then there's the revolutionists and the revolutionists don't get along with each other except for the fact that they're like in the middle of this like revolution sort of you know uh, or collapse um they all have different ideas and then within that it's also okay for within those factions for different people to have different ideas so it's it's no longer like everyone in this faction believes the following thing right um, they might be aligned with and have, be, you know, there's all these people who are allied with different people. Um, but there's kind of this implicit, I think it's really similar actually to other games. There's this implicit loyalty within the party. And I think that it's something that um, game masters and players just kind of need to go over before they play any role-playing game is what brings us together, right? Because we're going to have different characters with different personalities. So we should have kind of our like what we kind of like about each other kind of worked out, you know, like why is everyone going and doing these things together? And the classic D&D setup is not how you have to play D&D, but the super classic cliche way is like, well, we all want to get paid for killing the dragon. So we met up in a bar and we were all the people willing to go kill the dragon, right? That's not the way most people I know play that, you know, any other tabletop role playing game, but um but I, yeah, I think that there's just this like, so people have these loyalties to all of these other factions in the city, but they also have loyalties to each other. And there's like a thing that they're trying to do together. Um, and so then their loyalty to their factions becomes like points of strength. Like they're basically like resources, you know, and a lot of the cyberpunk games I used to play, like when you used to play Shadowrun as a kid, you know, you have your contacts and they matter as much as like a magical item does, you know? Like, oh, I know a guy who works at this bar. He can get us information. It's like really important, you know? And we don't have a game system for contacts, but we have a sort of game system for these like larger networks for these factions. Um, we also have an ability that's literally, I know a guy. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that what, um, what Inman did for us, the last game we played where I feel like they set us up with um, sort of, this this like oh you were in this situation and this happened and how did you all respond and you all lost something what was it and there were all these open-ended questions that we sort of formed our relationships around because we had this common memory that we all built together yeah before we started even playing and i think also in that game we decided that we just knew each other because we had all visited the same therapist <laughs> oh yeah yes yeah and then we almost wrote a therapist class <laughs> <laughs> for the expansion yeah yeah that that comes out as we a already kickstarter have, stretch goal yeah we already have like maybe 19 classes in the game or something um just in the base game yeah it, it's a lot um and yeah, I don't know. Something that I really love about that system is how it's like, you know, it's really easy. Like, well, it only takes like what, like five or ten minutes to like create a character or something. Yeah, probably less than that. I mean, I guess you have to read about the classes. 
Um, but but the actual like mechanics of it, yeah, you you roll your hit points, you roll your ability scores, or even better, you assign your ability scores and you roll your hit points. Yeah. Um, Robin, do you have any do you have any like kind of dreams around art for the book, like things that you're like hoping for, like either for like the the release next year or for I don't know, like kind of future um, iterations of Penumbra City. I'm I'm excited for all of it. I would I'm particularly excited to start really challenging myself to draw some more of the actual environments because um, that's just been, I don't know. It's been sort of like lurking around the edges of my mind and it's, um, it's definitely not something that I've done for a long time. So I'm kind of looking forward to that, but I do just maybe my dreams surrounding it are just to be able to create something that makes people feel seen and feel happy, you know? Yeah. Like the kind of stuff that maybe we didn't have so much growing <laughs> up. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to sound stupid, but like, you know, like Steven universe, except obviously not like that at all because Steven universe is not a world that's trying to kill you all that much. <laughs> But it still exists in a, a like a whole spectrum of like gender and sexuality and body types and everybody. I, I just think I think I'd like to make something that feels universal and diverse and makes people happy and ultimately my dream would be if everybody loves it and we make enough money to make more and then we can just just keep making <laughs> games yeah and then that can just be my job yeah that was how i sold everyone on this as i was like hey do you want to you want to make your living playing role playing games <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Truly, if, if I could, <laughs> if I could just make art and people liked it, and I made enough money to survive off of that, um, that's the dream. And I know that doesn't sound very glamorous or exciting. I think that sounds like an incredible dream, um, and is absolutely the pitch that sold me on getting involved with this project. Um, are there any things that you kind of hope for, Margaret, around like the future of Penumbra City outside of this like initial um, release that we're hopefully going to have ready by, I believe, August next year? Um, I, I'm just going to be really curious what people make of it. You know, uh, the people who we've shown it to like the world and like the mechanics. It's not been a complete thing that we've shown to people, right? Because it's, you know, it's only just now approaching something like that looks complete. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the kind of like feedback we've gotten. I'm excited to put this out into the world. I have like two different desires. One is just to be like, oh, thank God I've cleared my plate of this thing. You know, like, I mean, sometimes I did, there's stuff I did like 10 years ago that I don't give a fuck about and I'm just like over and I don't care. There's like on, you know, 
books I left half finished that I'm never going to come back to. But this has never been that. This has always been something better and more interesting and grander and grander than one person really can do on her own. And so I'm excited to sort of get it off my plate. But then I'm also excited to see if it then comes back for more helpings. I don't like this metaphor. Um, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I, I would love... I would love to take the time to explore, you know, there's, there's 10 countries in, uh, in this world. Um, even if we just stick in the current time and we don't go far into the past or far into the future or something like that, you know, and all of them are interesting too. And I would love to explore them and, and watch people explore them and make things, you know, um, one of the things that I always loved about being a game master when I was younger is that you can make up a mythology and watch your players like care about it, mm -hmm. you know, and and watch it find its way into conversations outside of the game. Um, and that's like, for me, like the draw of being a creative is to get my little grubby hands in people's brains. Um, but then something that I like about designing tabletop role playing game is it's a little bit less like the Margaret show. It's less ego driven. It's, it's more of, um, this like collective world building, both in terms of we are a collective and we're publishing this. And so people, including us influence it greatly, but then also it, it goes out and because it comes this other thing, you know, and I'm, and I'm saying this as if there's not like, I mean, a, a ton of people write role-playing games and stuff. Right. Um, I, straight up do think that this is this one is something special because i think that this is something that um a lot of really talented people have put a lot of work into um but you know yeah that's that's how i feel about penumbra city <laughs> i guess also yeah the the dream is right to see uh people take this out into the world and and play it and experience it and like fucking podcast about it right like people people can can disseminate it onto the into the ether and uh and share their stories about it and i think that would make me so happy yeah yeah like hey the adventure zone do our podcast as a season <laughs> Oh my God! Please, if you're listening, if you're listening. Also, from one I West just, Virginia you know, to another. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now they West have Virginia to. They basically solidarity. Have to. Yeah, absolutely. This is those are the rules of West Virginia, so. as far as I know. <laughs> Mountain Mama, something, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is that is certainly the dream. Um. Also, also, friends all all over the world. I I made you some art, and I just hope you like it. <laughs> I think everyone is already does and is going to love the art for this book, Robin. So we're probably running out of time. Um, do I do? You know, as the host, I'm gonna I'm gonna make y'all do this. Um, I would love to know each of y'all's kind of like favorite. Um, thing about the game and kind of like a specific thing like a like a class or like a faction that you just really love or like a place or like a weird creature um and then also what your uh self insert into the game was because 
I imagine. Because <laughs> I imagine they're there. Huh. I mean, I, I think that I want to insert all of us somewhere. <laughs> That's my, my number two or three level goal is just like how many people that I love and respect can I put into this game, whether they're a character class or they're in a background somewhere just lurking, or um, can I draw a picture of my partner getting his eye torn out by a murderous crane? <laughs> that might be happening. He's okay with it. <laughs> wow. Is that your, is that your um, answer for favorite favorite thing about the game? Murderous swamp crane? Oh gosh, I don't know. I do really fucking love murderous giant cranes, but you know what? I love drawing bird skulls. Also, I love centipedes. Actually, I'm very excited to draw giant centipedes. Um, all of it excites me. Margaret inspires me and brings me joy and has for half of our lives at this point. So I'm just very emotionally attached to this project. Mm -hmm. I think that as far as my own self insert, I mean, obviously I want to be someone cool, but then like I'm on the train on my way to my day job and I'm like, am I, am I the lordling? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> am I, am I the gas lamper? I think I'm the gas lamper. Gas lampers are cool. <laughs> yeah. The lordlings aren't cool. The gas lampers are cool. Yeah. But the gas lamper is also like, you know, bored of their daily life and, you know, secretly plotting the downfall of society. Right. Yeah. And I, I sort of also have been maybe called by certain people who might be on this podcast with me, their uh, secret weirdo friend. So I am also <laughs> the person that kind of gives the party an air of legitimacy and can say, um, no, no, guys, it's cool. They're with me. <laughs> um, do you need me to make you a sword cane? I mean, yes, if you would, please. But I, I feel I feel seen, but also simultaneously attacked by the gas lamper. <laughs> More like the gas lighter. <laughs> oh, ayo. <laughs> That's not true at all. That never happened. We didn't even have this conversation. Yeah, what are, what are you, you talking, talking about? about? <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> cool. Um, Margaret? Uh, let me... Th so, okay, so I'm going to pick as my favorite. I have. I love all of my children equally, <laughs> but the, the Corsori Knights was when I first started designing it, I had two different anarchist factions and, you know, no one who's ever heard me speak knows, everyone knows I'm an anarchist because I run around screaming it off the top of my lungs. But like, you, you've got these like younger anarchists, the Areni Federation that are like trying to, you know, they're a little bit more chaotic and they're a little bit more new school. And then you've got the Corsori who are refugees from another country where they had a failed anarchist revolution. And they're like, serious anarchists going back generations you know <laughs> and they're like a little bit more like formal about it all and like and i really enjoy the balance between the two but it let me introduce something that i explore in a lot of my fiction which is that concept of the anarchist paladin <laughs> <laughs> um uh the concept of the the knight who makes her own vows or 
you know, like bows to no one or whatever, but still has this like strong moral code or whatever. So they're not my self-insert by any stretch. Um, but I really like the, the Corsori Knights. Uh, they're, I'll pick them as my favorite class right now. And then I actually don't think I wrote a conscious self-insert I think that I have a lot of like aspirational, like I, I wish I was a dog girl. I wish I was like super no future and just like look cool all the time. and didn't care if I lived or died. And then like, I also wish I was a corsory knight who like kept to my vows and carried around a sword and shit, you know? Um, but I'm like, I'm probably, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably just some random person in the Irani Federation who runs the newspaper, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I, I, I would be the like, yeah, I guess I'm the, ah, <laughs> my self insert is that there's moments of like, there's flavor text that runs throughout, like the thing that you all just heard earlier, this flavor text that runs throughout of someone in the Irani Federation being like, Hey, welcome to Penumbra city. That's, that's me. That's my self insert, uh, who wants to be like really cynical and critique even the anarchists constantly, um, and say, fuck you to her editor, uh, while secretly being glad that she has an editor. So that's my self insert. So a visitor's guide to Penumbra city was written by both a literal and fictional Margaret Kiljoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say that my so favorite, uh, Robin drew me as, I don't know if I'm going to make it a, the final cut, but Robin sort of based the occultist on me. And, uh, I really liked that. Um, because, uh, as a, you know, as a trans woman, I like struggle with seeing myself and like knowing what I look like. And so what other people perceive me as is like of particular interest to me. Um, and then as people might've picked up on Robin and I are childhood friends. Like uh, I've, I know I've known Robin longer than anyone I'm still in touch with in my life. Um, and so, you know, seeing someone perceive me who has seen me through um, well transition, but also just like just different stages of my life, you know, um, is really meaningful to me. So thanks, Robin. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, thanks both of y'all. Inman, what yeah, was I yours? Inman, what's yours? You're aspirationally, lurking. Aspirationally, I feel like I'm, I want to be an occultist, but like, honestly, I, I'm not. <laughs> My curses are so ineffective. <laughs> you know, every, every, they're like, oh, I hope you fart in front of your boss. <laughs> you know, every occultist has to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, but Inman, we, we need to hear. It's true. I am I am lurking, um, fulfilling a really funny role in this podcast right now as the host and the interviewer. Um, <laughs> Insert thyself. Um, <laughs> hi, my name's Inman Erwin, and um, I do some of the game design on Penumbra City and like have been helping get the mechanics kind of in, uh, into whatever they end up being. Um, and I think my favorite class is the Rat Kings. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, I just think they're like one of the weirdest and funniest things in the game. Like there, there's a lot of really wacky things in the game that I really think are fun. But um, yeah, just this like this this like urchin street gang who like like who are specifically like youth urchin street gangs who like um, scavenge around in this junkyard and like they eat weird fungus to talk to rats and like the rat kings are kind of these like like not like leaders of the group but kind of like um, respected you know individuals within the children faction Um, and yeah I just think they're cool they just get swarmed with rats and they just like scare people with like by being friends with rats and that's just adorable to me um, <laughs> um and i don't i don't think that i've written i don't think that i've like kind of like written enough in the game to like say that i have like a self insert um but um so so yeah <laughs> that's my answer for that cool <laughs> cool um Cool. Well, I think I think that's going to mostly bring us to the end of the the podcast. Um, do either of y'all have anything else to kind of like shout out or to say about the game before we wrap? Um, I feel like if you're not following strangers already, obviously follow strangers on all social media. But um, Penumbra City is on Instagram at Penumbra City. And on TikTok at Penumbra underscore city. And I promise that I will start posting some kind of content there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you can, you'll be able to watch Very Robin soon. draw like with that like crazy live thing that I just made myself sound so old. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I would love to start doing like live drawing Twitch stream or something, but I don't know actually how to make that happen. It's something I sort of, Vaguely, I'm looking into, but no promises. Yeah. Um, I'm very shy. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Um, I don't know that I am either, but I don't know how much I feel comfortable with like people just like watching me do something like. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Margaret. Uh, Yeah, you all should. if you don't already back Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness, what are you doing? That's how you can support this podcast and you can support one of my other podcasts, Live Like the World is Dying. And you can, um, uh, well, you can also get involved in beta testing and you can reach out to us and Inman will, uh, I mean, depending we'll screen you first. And if we say no, it's because we don't like you as a person. (laughs) No, if we say no, it might be for a million different reasons, but we are looking for people right now to help us play test this game and are really grateful for, you know, everyone's help that we've had so far. So yeah, get involved and then be looking out, be on the lookout for it when we do a pre-order campaign by way of crowdfunding. Um, because this kind of book also, is expensive to make. S- submit to us. Submit to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> submit to no master but us. <laughs> but like we're we're like um we're in a fun way, like a fun, cute way. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
a totally consensual, like fun cute way. Yeah. Submit to me. <laughs> us. Well, um, <laughs> thanks y'all for coming onto the show. Um, and thank you, uh, Margaret for this, uh, for this really fun part one to visit to the visitor's guide to Penumbra city. Um, we're very excited for part two, hopefully. Um, thanks. And yeah. Um, take care. Bye friends. You're wonderful. And you inspire me every day. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go tell someone about it. Whisper its name in their ear. Listen to it at your collective newspaper work party whilst creating lovely pieces of Apocrypha. Also, you can rate and review and like and subscribe or whatever the algorithm calls for. Feed it like a hungry god. You could also post about it or tell people in person. It's the main way that people hear about the show and honestly one of the best ways to support it. However, if you want to support us in other, sillier ways that don't involve feeding a nameless and mysterious entity, consider supporting the show financially by subscribing to our Patreon. If you subscribe to our Patreon at $10 a month, we will mail to you a zine version of the pieces that you hear here every month, anywhere in the world. But also you can read it for free on our website. You can also get access to an archive of old strangers' content, as well as discounts on things like t-shirts and future books we publish. Find us at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness, and find more submission info at tangledwilderness.org. Also, if the game we just talked about interests you, we are running beta tests of it and need gaming groups to help us out by trying the game out. It's likely that our first round will already be filled up and underway by the time this episode airs, but shoot us an email if you and your gaming group are interested, and we'll at least get you in on the next round of beta testing. That's penumbracityplaytest at gmail.com. Just to plug some other things that strangers and our friends have going on, Margaret's new short story collection is currently on pre-order from AK Press. We Won't Be Here Tomorrow comes out September 20th, so check it out and look for her soon on her book tour. Our first book, as the new versions of The Strangers Collective, will be available for pre-order on September 1st, Try Anarchism for Life by Cindy Baruch Milstein, a thrilling exploration of art and social relationships and worlds soon to emerge, featuring amazing art by 25 incredible artists. Look for it on our website. A dear friend of The Strangers Collective also has a book out for pre-order right now, Nourishing Resistance, Stories of Food, Protest, and Mutual Aid, edited by Ren Arai, along with a foreword by Cindy Milstein. The pre-order is currently live at pmpress.org, so please go check it out. Ren is an incredible writer, editor, and archivist. One last shameless plug. By the time this episode airs, we should have t-shirts live on the Strangers website. You can get both a Strangers t-shirt and a Live Like the World is Dying shirt. Both have art created by our art director, Robin Savage, and were printed by the Cream Print Shop in Tucson, Arizona, and are seriously soft and cozy and just, just beautiful. That's all my plugs, except for a very special plug. A shout out to these wonderful people who have helped make this podcast, as well as so many other projects possible. Sean, SJ, Paige, Oxalis, Mickey, Nicole, David, Dana, Chelsea, Starro, Jennifer, Eleanor, Natalie, Kirk, Micaiah, Sam, Chris, 
and Haas the dog. Thank you so much for your support. It means so much to us and has allowed us to get so much done as a collective. And lastly, a lot of these features on the podcast come from listeners like you. So if you feel like a stranger that would like to find their story a home in this tangled wilderness, consider submitting it. Our editors have not given up. Next month, we have another special treat. I mean, really every month is a special treat here on the podcast, but for September, we have an excerpt from Cindy Milstein's new book, Try Anarchism for Life, along with an interview with them about the story behind the book. Stay well. We hope you come back.